Can we give it up for Jesus one more good time? So good to see you here this morning. We are excited and encouraged as we are bringing our 21 days of prayer and fasting to a culmination today. We're going to be closing that out with communion near the end of today's celebration. And we've been believing for some big things. We believe for big things from God with our church family, with our corporate goals, but also some of you have been asking God for something big in your own personal life. And we want to partner our faith with yours today and just believe that it is finished. It is a yes and an amen. And it's going to be an incredible, exciting time. We have been asking God for two very specific goals here at City Reach Church as a corporate family goal. And the first one is, is that we are believing for 300 people to give their lives to Jesus in the month of September here at City Reach Church. And we believe that God is faithful and that he will do it. Amen. And the second goal is we're believing for God to pour out his spirit upon our school systems. And we're encouraging people that don't just sit on the sidelines anymore and complain about what's going on, but be active as a parent, get involved in your child's life in the schools. And we have about six or seven people running for uh, school board uh, in, in our church alone. So in throughout the city, throughout the region, they've caught the message, they've caught the vision that God has given them and, and they're gonna go make a difference. And so it's such an exciting time to be able to be a part of what God is doing. No matter how dark the world may get, there's always good news for the church because we are the light in the world and we carry the light of the world who is Jesus. So the darker the world gets, the brighter the church shines. And I believe with all of my heart that the church mobilized, not just the church, but the church mobilized is the hope to the world. And we have been positioned for such a time as this. And we're launching a series that is a pillar to our DNA and our culture here at City Reach called Forget Religion, Find God. And it's not going to be a series that some think it's, oh, this is a church that's going to beat the snot out of religion and, and talk about God a little bit. No, it's going to be the opposite of that. We're going to talk more about finding God than we are about forgetting religion. But I want to just give you a little snippet of what's to come starting next week. Jesus' own words that religion is man-made. He said it's man-made ideas taught to people as commands from God but the religious leaders aren't even willing to walk a step in the mile they require. So we're going to be looking at what religion really is, exposing that so that we have the opportunity to dive deeper into really, truly finding God in every aspect of our lives. I'm going to kick it off today with a scripture. It's one of my favorite. I very rarely ever use the message Bible on a Sunday morning. It is a paraphrase, not a literal translation. That's why I don't use it a lot, but it's good to read from and good to get some insight from. And I think the author of this one really nailed the intent down of what Jesus was speaking from his heart. In Matthew 11, verse 28, he says, are you tired? Are you tired of the way things are going in this world? Are you tired of life? Are you tired of the stress and the chaos? Are you tired of the division? Are you worn out from the gossip and the strife? Are you burned out on religion itself? And if you are, come to me. Get away with me. And you will recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me. Work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. 
Isn't that beautiful? Grace is not forced. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. See, what religion does is it's judgmental, it's critical, it's demanding, it's commanding. What religion is all about is controlling people to get people to do what the religious leaders want them to do. So it is coming from a better than or higher than attitude where Jesus is giving an invitation. Every bit of this is inviting. Come to me. Work with me. Walk with me. Be in relationship with me because he never came to establish a religion. He came to establish a way to have a relationship with God. And he is giving that invitation to each and every one of us. And then he wraps it up with this. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. Isn't that good? So before we press into the message, I just want to make a declaration over our life and over the word of God and what we believe to receive. So if you got a Bible, you can hold it up. If you got a smart device you're looking at, it, you can hold it up. If you're at home or in the room, you got nothing at all, don't worry about it. We'll have it on the screen the entire time. You can just point your hand to the screen, but let's make a declaration. Just say it like this. Say, Father God, thank you for your word. For your word is a lamp to my feet, a light to my path. Your word changes me from the inside out. I'm ready to receive, willing to obey your holy word in Jesus' name, amen. So we're going to kick it off and really look at what is the, the unforced rhythms of God's grace. So our vision statement here at City Reach Church, you can't escape it. It's on the walls of every room in the entire building. Everywhere you walk, you're going to see something that says, no God, find freedom, discover purpose, make a difference. What the vision statement really is, is it's the Great Commission broken down into modern day vernacular. So it is the Great Commission that God has given the church to go and be the church that Jesus called it to be and died for it to be able to be. But what I want to do today that I don't know that we've ever really done is I want to give you the intent behind it. I want to give you the big whys behind each one because it beautifully fits into what it looks like to truly find that relationship that so many of us covet to have with God. And the first pillar is to know God, but what does that mean? And what it means is, and number one, it means to know God intimately. Not to just know of God. Not to just believe that he exists. But it means to really walk out those words of Jesus, to work with him, to walk with him, to talk with him. In John 17, verse 3, Jesus said, and this is the way to have eternal life. This is the way. To know the only true God. Now, if you're new to our family, there's going to be a few things that were never apologetic here at City Reach Church. And this is the first one. There's no blurred lines. There is one God, one God, one true God who loved the world so crazy much that he gave his one and only son as a ransom for the life of every soul this world would ever see. His name is Jesus. He is the one that God sent to the earth. So when we understand that there is one true God 
And we understand that Jesus didn't come to establish a religion, but he came to make a way where there was no way to establish a relationship with Jesus. Then we get a clear picture of what the church is called, what the leadership of the church's call is to be. And that is not to bark commands and demands at God's people. That is to do like Jesus did and serve God's people to help them get to where God has called them to be. In other words, the ultimate destination for each and every believer is to be in deep, intimate relationship with God. And that's why we are here to serve you, to help. I want you to picture like this. You go to your favorite restaurant. We're just ending a 21 day of prayer and fasting. And this one I went pretty deep in on and I lost, I lost about 13 to 15 pounds in that range. Weighed myself yesterday morning, was a little bit freaked out. I was wearing my, well, my pants were falling down to my ankles. I do have to declare that today I will make up for that. I want you to know that as soon as third service is, as soon as third service is over, I'll be quickly high-fiving people in the lobby. And my beautiful wife, wonderful wife, is going to have Cadillac ribs from Style Switch waiting on me to devour. And then shortly after that, we will be making a trip to Scoop and Score to get some of that beautifully rich peanut butter chocolate Buckeye ice cream that's shipped in all the way from the state of Ohio. But anyway, God, God is wanting us to have the opportunity to know him. So I want you to picture it like you're walking into your favorite restaurant and you have a reservation. The first thing you do not do is just head to any old table. And I want you to know that Jesus has a seat reserved for you at his table. And you got to look at the church leadership as this, that we are the hosts and the hostesses here to say, welcome in and help you get seated at that table, at that reservation that Jesus has for you. We are here to serve you and your family, to honor you, to love you, to help you, to know God in an intimate way, in a personal way. This is the personal way that we know God is in Jeremiah 9, 23 through 24. It says, this is what the Lord says. Don't let the wise boast in their wisdom or the powerful boast in their power or the rich boast in their riches. But those who wish to boast should boast in this alone. So what God is teaching us right now is it doesn't matter whether you have all the wealth in the world, all the influence or power that you think you have in this world. It doesn't matter how much wisdom you believe you walk in. Don't ever find yourself boasting in those things. Find yourself boasting in one thing. And that one thing is this, that you truly know me. And you understand that I am the Lord who demonstrates unfailing fire and brimstone no it doesn't say that that i am the lord who demonstrates unfailing love who brings justice and righteousness to the earth and that god delights in these things i the lord have spoken this is directly from the mouth of god and what he is Wanting us to understand is on a personal level, he wants you to know his nature. 
He wants you to understand his character. Religion would paint him to be this very judgmental and critical God that is just waiting for you to make the next mistake so he can zap you with a bolt of lightning. Burn the church down that you walk into because you're so sinful that it corrupted the whole place. But that's not what God wants you to know. He wants you to know that he sees you just as you are, loves you just as you are, and invites you just as you are to work and walk out a relationship with him in an intimate way. He wants you to walk with him. He wants you to talk with him, to know what he sounds like when he speaks to you. Now, for me, I like him to sound like Thor. I like a very heavy British, thundering, God of Thunder type deep voice. You may like Mickey Mouse, that's your prerogative. I like Thor. But how does God speak? When does he speak? What does he sound like? And God is wanting you to know that he is here to live life with you. Not to command you to live life for him. It's not a commanding thing. It's a get to thing. That's the difference between religion and relationship. You don't have to, you get to. You have a choice that you make. In the midst of it, God is wanting that deep relationship with each and every one of us. And here's a statement that I've come to know that is true. The more you know God, the more you desire to know God even more. The more I come to understand his nature, the more I want him in my life. The more I come to understand his character, the more I want to be like him. The more I understand his love and his grace and his mercy, the more I understand that I'm not perfect. It doesn't give me an excuse not to be better, but it gives me an understanding that God is not looking to strike me down with every mistake I make. He's looking to help me learn from the mistakes I make so I can be better the next time. And that's God. That's the God that each and every one of us should desire to know. And the next part of it is, missional to know God is yes personal but it's also missional because once you know how good he is how can you keep it to yourself in Acts 26 17 through 18 he says I am sending you notice he didn't say I'm sending the pastor's team from City Reach Church I'm sending the missions pastor Foster Malou to law to the lost no he said I am sending you every one of you to the lost, to open their eyes so that they may turn from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to the power of God. Then they will receive forgiveness of their sins and will be given a place among God's people who are set apart by faith in me. Isn't that so good? He's sending us. We get to. So when you come to understand what no God means, I want to show you how that is practically exercised at our church. It is mostly exercised through our gatherings together like Sunday mornings, first Wednesdays. Every time we come together to celebrate God, that is our corporate gatherings. That is really the front door. It's not the only way, but it is one of the most major ways that we help lead people to the understanding that God wants a relationship with them and that they should desire this in their life. 
Do you know that 93% of Americans who will say yes to Jesus will do so on a Sunday morning church service? And 79% of those who walk through the door that have never been in this house will only come, not because of a mailer, not because of a great sign or a billboard on 620. They will only come because they have been invited by somebody that they know. So you have an opportunity. You may not go to Africa on our mission trips or South America or Asia or Europe on our mission trips. That may never be something that God calls you to do, and that's okay. Because our mission is not just globally. Our mission starts first here in Austin, Texas. Then it goes to Texas, then the nation, then the world. This is one of the greatest mission fields America has to offer. We're in one of the largest unreached cities in America. And we have the opportunity to be the hands and feet of Jesus. To go bring love, to go bring kindness, to go bring his message to each and every one that we encounter. So I want to make it super easy for you today in the lobby. There's invite cards. Grab one, grab two, grab ten. Doesn't matter. If you grab them all, we'll order more by next Sunday. And start inviting people. And you can say, well, I, yeah, but I'm not like an extrovert. Get over it. I'm not either. You'd be surprised how introverted I actually am. It's God and God alone that can get me to do this. But we all have been called. We all have been sent. And you can say, well, what if they don't come? It's not on you whether they come or not. One plants, another waters. God gets the increase. Our job is to plant and to water. God's job is to bring the increase. Amen? So let's be that. Let's be that missional church that helps our city know God. The second pillar is find freedom. I'm not going to spend a lot of time because we just did a whole entire series on freedom. But what does it mean to find freedom? Well, it means to get freedom from guilt, shame, and pain of your past. Jesus already paid for it on the cross. And just because you receive him as your savior, there's, that's all spiritual. Then we have to deal with the soul, the fractures, the letdowns, the abuse, all of the judgment, the criticism that we've walked through, that we're still carrying, that is no longer ours to carry. Because as we learn in the Freedom Series, it was already nailed to the cross 2,000 years ago. When we look at the cross, we should not just see a symbol of, of sacrifice. We should see a symbol of freedom. Jesus set himself on that cross to bring freedom to loneliness, curse of the law, cares of this life, sins of our past, selfishness, condemnation. He gave freedom for each and everything. Some of you have written down things you're believing to be set free from out on that cross in the lobby. Let's stand in faith together as we conclude this 21 days of prayer and fasting and just get sick and tired of being sick and tired and push back against the enemy and his voice and the hurts and the pain and the shame of our past and go get that freedom that Jesus has paid for. In Colossians 1 verse 19, for God in all of his fullness was pleased to live in Christ and through him God reconciled everything. Can we say everything? He left no stone unturned. He left no corner with shadows. He reconciled every single thing in this life 
to himself. He made peace with everything in heaven and on earth by means of Christ's blood on the cross. And what does this mean for us? Well, this includes you who were once far away from God. You were his enemies separated from him by the evil thoughts and actions. Yet now he has reconciled you to himself through the death of Christ in his physical body. And then here's the final piece of it. As a result, he has brought you into his own presence. And you are now holy and blameless as you stand before him without a single fault. It's not about how good you've been. That's what religion wants to tell you. It's all about the do's and the don'ts. And, and, and if you've been just, he paints Jesus like Santa Claus, like he's making a list, he's checking it twice. And if you've done everything right, you might get that gift under the tree. The gift has already been given. It has been freely given. It is freely received. It's not about how good you've been. It's about how good he is. God no longer sees you or your mistakes or your sins. He sees the blood of Jesus covering every aspect of your being. And he sees you as blameless and holy in his sight. Jesus did that for us. That's the freedom that we want and that we desire to have. And the major way that we have an opportunity for you to go find that freedom is through our small group system. Within that, we have our freedom groups, which are just geared for every single thing I just spoke about. Because life is real. Hurts and pains and shame of the past are real. And you need an opportunity. You need to hear what God has to say about you. And God has to say about those circumstances and situations so that you can be set free. And our small groups are here to keep the church connected. We are not a church that happens to do small groups. We are a church that is made up of small groups. Now, what do I mean by that? The church continues to grow and it should continue to grow. And I know some people are like, yeah, but I don't like how big it's getting. I don't know anybody. Well, get over it. Hear me now. The reality of heaven and hell is as real today as it's ever been. And if there is not a church that is standing for the lost and reaching the lost, then what is the church's purpose to begin with? And God named us City Reach. That's what we're called to do is to reach cities for Jesus. So we should be growing because we're healthy. And how do you get to know people? You get in a small group. Voila. And let me tell you how it works. We may be the products of our past, but we don't have to be prisoners of it. You may be a product of all the combination of your past, but you are not a prisoner of it because Jesus has set you free. And we want to help you find that freedom. And here's how the system is set up. Our small groups are God's way to live life together. In Acts 2, 46, it says they met for meals in homes weekly. Every meal was a celebration, exuberant and joyful as they praise God. Every time they came together in small group fashion, it was a party. It was a celebration. 
They were living life together. They were sharing testimonies together. They were helping one another, praying with one another, joining their faith together to believe for the impossible. It was an amazing, amazing thing. And that is the benefit of what we are seeing in people's lives that are getting connected to our small groups. And we do three things. We do it a free market, which is based on any interest. You can have a small group for anything. You could do it Bible study based. You could do it relationally based, marriage based. You could do it students, anything you want. You could do a fantasy football small group. We don't care. You can even do an underwater basket weaving small group. I'm super curious to see how many would actually sign up for such a thing. But you can. It doesn't matter. As long as you focus it on God and people. And we do it in three semesters, fall, winter, and summer. And we do it like that to give everyone a break and also an opportunity. Maybe they started in the underwater basket weaving small group, and now they're like, you know what? I don't want to do that anymore. I want to go into something else. And then you have an opportunity to do that. And we ask you to meet a minimum of two times per month. Today is the launch of our small groups for the fall semester. I encourage you, if you've not got plugged in yet, get plugged in. If you don't see a group you like, start one you do. That's as easy as it is. Let's be that people that make a difference in the lives of others. Number three is discovering your God-given purpose. I'm going to boogie through these last two just for time's sake. But notice I'm not saying just discover purpose as itself. The the principle behind it is discovering your God-given purpose. In Romans 8.28, we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. All of us have a purpose in society. That's what makes society society. If we all left our jobs and all came into full-time vocational ministry, there would be no society left. So we all have a purpose. But God also has a God-given purpose that he has placed within you that directly impacts the kingdom of God and helps to build the church that Jesus gave his life for. And we want to help you find that. And we do that through our next steps process, but we also have the opportunity for you to join our dream team, which is serving. They're the hands and the feet of this church, serving God's people and serving this city. And you look at the story in the life of Joseph. If you never read it, it's a pretty powerful story. Joseph is the youngest of his brothers. He has this big dream from God. He shares it with his brothers. They become jealous and angry with him about the dream. So they plot to murder him. And then they change that to abandoning him and leaving him to a certain death. Then they finally change that and they decide to sell him into slavery. He gets sold into slavery, goes into Potiphar's house, working as a slave for Potiphar, gets accused of something he didn't do, and then gets sent to prison for the rest of his life for something he never did. And then in there, God gave him a dream And he was able to interpret Pharaoh's dream. And the next thing you know, Joseph becomes the second most powerful man in the world. Egypt was the powerhouse of the world. And it becomes the number two to Pharaoh. And he ends up bringing not just his family, but the entire nation of Israel into Egypt during one of the world's worst famines. And then his dad dies, the entire nation of Israel goes back to Canaan to bury his dad. And as soon as they turn back to Egypt, It says that the brothers became gripped great with fear. 
Now that dad is dead, Joseph's going to kill us for what we did to him. Of course I would. But Joseph is a better man than I am. Look at Joseph has to say in Genesis 5 or 50, 20, you intended to harm me, but God. Everyone will have a but God story in their life if you are in relationship with God. But God intended it all for good. He brought me to this position so I could save the lives of many people. You know, Joseph is saying, he's saying, I know God. I know the nature of God. I know the character of God. And I know what God was doing in the midst of all of this. And I have found freedom from what you did to me. What you did to me could have left me messed up for the rest of my life. But my perspective has changed. I have found freedom from that because that caused me to discover the purpose that God placed within me. And now I am able to make a difference in many, many people's lives. That's what Joseph is saying. So with that said, experience is not what happens to you. It is what you do with what happens to you. So don't waste your pain. Turn it into purpose and use it to help others. That's the heartbeat. And the last one is to make a difference in the lives of others. It is the common goal. 78% of the, the nation says that the number one priority in their life before they die is to make a difference in the lives of others. And God's already, that's our God nature in us. He's already set us up for it. In John 15, verse 16, Jesus says, you didn't choose me. I chose you. I looked upon you and I counted you worthy. I saw past all the mess. I saw past all the hurt and the pain and I chose you and I appointed you to go and produce lasting fruit so that the father will give you whatever you ask for using my name if we peel that backwards we all want that right we want the father to give us whatever we ask for in the name of Jesus well if we want that then part of getting that is to understand that we must be goers. We must be doers, not waiters, not sitting back and wondering, well, I'll let them do it first and see how it goes. And then I'll step out and try it myself. But no, I've been chosen for such a time as this. I've been chosen and I'm going to go and do something with it. And this is really what it boils down to in James 1, 27, pure and genuine religion. You want real religion? This is what it looks like in the sight of God, the father. It means caring. That's what pure religion really looks like. Caring, caring for people, caring for orphans, widows, caring for those that no one else is caring for, going after those that no one else is going after, caring for them in their distress and refusing to let the world corrupt you and that's what all of us should desire if you want a religion bind to that one not the man-made kind get into the one that god has set up it's the only spot in the entire bible in the new testament that even mentions religion and this is the version of god's religion go and be an act of kindness to those who are in need go and 
and be the display of the goodness of God. So how do we vent that out? How do we, how do we exercise that at City Reach? That's all through our missions department. Local, state, nation, world. And for us, it starts with We Love Our City, which is the outreach arm of City Reach Church. We are already going. We've already put on a big Easter egg hunt. We got a big fall festival coming up, but we're also actively every week going with Adopt the Block into neighborhoods that need Jesus and need help. And we're just doing random acts of kindness for the people in that neighborhood and just showing them the love and the goodness of God. And we have a big vision to build mobile units, medical, dental. We want to build a nail salon where we can take it into the hurting places and, and just go minister to people with random acts of love and kindness and expect nothing in return except our heavenly reward we'll get when we're with Jesus once and for all. So I want to wrap it up with this final statement. You may only be one, but you are one. You cannot do everything but you can do something. Do not let what you cannot do interfere with what you can do. And I want to give you a final example before we pray. When I first got saved, I was in the Marine Corps and I got saved in a very radical way. And the whole base found out about it. I was notoriously known for things that are not, not godly. And I ended up leading my entire street, every Marine, every family member to Jesus in the upcoming months. And I knew that God ultimately called me to plant a church in a capital city of an influential state. I had no idea which one that would be and where, when it would be. But he first said, I want you to go reach the next generation. So I knew I was going to be a youth pastor. My only model was the youth pastor of the church outside the bases. Name was Matt. And he was super gifted. One of those guys who just kind of make you sick to your stomach because he could do everything well. He was... The worship leader, he was the main preacher, he was he was the coach, he was the counselor, he was everything. And I thought, I don't have a musical bone in my body. And when I sing, it doesn't sound pleasant even to myself. But I gotta do this, I gotta learn how to do worship. So the first thing I did was went out and I spent some good money and I bought a Fender Strat electric guitar with a big old amp. And I got this, this dinosaur egg called a DVD that some of you don't know, but it was Netflix started with DVDs. You just didn't order it online. You just had to come to your home. And I got a DVD to teach me how to do the electric guitar. And I am not exaggerating with what I'm about to tell you. Within about three weeks, every single person that I led to Jesus in my neighborhood showed up like a mob in my house. And they came to me and said, Staff Sergeant, please stop. Just stop. It's horrendous. We know, hopefully you can tell what God has not gifted you to do. And I knew it, but I just didn't know how to do it without the way, doing it any other way than I saw it. And then God spoke. I didn't give you the gift of music but I did give you the gift of leadership. Now go raise up musicians. Go raise up worship leaders. Go raise up counselors. Go raise up coaches. Go raise these people up. Use what I have given you to get the rest that I've not given you. And that 
is what it really bears out to look like if we want to make a difference. It's not trying to be the answer. It's just doing our part to be part of the answer that God has called. Amen? Can you give Jesus one big thank you for his word today?